Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you, Lord, for the provision of your Son, so that even now we can pray to you and ask all things, Lord, as though we're your children, because we are your children. Only again because of the work of your Son that he has done for us. I pray that as we discuss uh, the London Baptist Confessions, I thank you for those that diligently worked so long ago to put these things, these uh, truths, these um, uh, confessions together so that we may better understand you. And we thank you for your word that these confessions are based on. May we strive to continue to seek truth uh, and understanding so that we may better in, um, honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's um, discussion is on chapter 9. It's on free will. Before I actually start talking about free will. Um, does anybody have any questions about free will that you're just, you know, dying to try to understand a little bit better? Not that I'm going to have any answers, but at least kind of want to see what people are thinking or about free will. And we're going to talk about definitions. We're going to talk about what that means. Alan, I hope we, 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 we didn't pray about anything, so other than to, to bless our class. All right. Um, any, the question is, is, is there, are there any things that, are there any questions about free will that people might have that maybe throughout the course of the talk we can discuss? Everybody's got, understands free will absolutely completely. So you, want to, you got it? You got free will now? Pretty much? Good. I think this is going to be a very short class. Okay. <laughs> Because I, I, because there's, I mean, there's only like what, five, five statements that are actually quite brief, and I really actually like the way that they, this, this confession is actually organized. But uh, if there's no questions, then maybe there will be some more. I'm gonna have some. If you don't have questions, then I have questions that hopefully we can kind of talk about when it comes to, you know, free will things that kind of automatically, sort of you have to ask yourself what is it that is, but. I want to do. I want to kind of state sort of a disclaimer from the very beginning. Even though I like the way this is arranged, there's still always a little bit of tension. In other words, do we have it absolutely worked out completely 100%? I would have to say no. There's always going to. When I, what I mean by tension is like, you know, God's sovereignty, God's free will, man's responsibility. Is he completely responsible for his decisions? You know. Those are, you know, it's easy to say yes to all those things, but yet there's going to be always some little mystery behind each of those things. So in other words, I don't think I, I don't think I even come close to knowing all that's, that is as I study this. There's always going to be some little bit of, like I said, tension or um, mystery behind the whole idea behind God, you know, man's ability to make his own decisions, yet God can still is sovereign over everything and controls everything. That's a, those two things seem sort of incompatible, and I think that's a wrong way to think about that. But there's a little tension in that. I don't know, would you agree? I, I, certainly, as I, even as I go through this, it's a little bit difficult to, uh, to sort out. So we're gonna be going through um, a number of scriptures that I'm hoping to get people, uh, help with people to read. Um, I wanna first, and then we're going to get to this here in just a minute. I kind of made this table. This I don't think this exists anywhere, but it's kind of based on what the kind of what the content of you know the discussion goes. So we're going to quick. We're going to go through. Uh, I'm going to go through a definition of free will. Actually, three definitions that are kind of constantly you know that are out there. Um, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. I hopefully I'm not doing all the talking. But um, we'll talk about some of the definitions of free will that are used to describe what that is. Um, and then we'll talk about the confessions itself. So definitions of free will. There's a popular definition. And where I got this from is John Piper uh, wrote an, an excellent essay. It's called a beginner's, uh, a beginner's Guide to Free Will. It's actually, you know, I, I really, it was very helpful to me. Popular definition is our, our will is free. If our preferences and our choices are really our own in such a way that we can justly be held responsible for whether they are good or bad. 
or responsible, we're responsible for our own decisions. We are completely accountable. That's a popular definition. I kind of like that, it's not bad. There's a biblical definition. The human will is free when it is not in bondage to prefer and choose irrationally. It is free when it is liber liberated from preferring what is indefinitely less preferable than God and from choosing um, what will lead to destruction. So in other words, I, I believe what it's saying is man's will is truly free when we have the opportunity not to choose evil. Okay? And where does that happen? Really in the state of grace. That only happens, you know, it happens here. We can choose. We have the ability, because of what God has given us, not to sin. Before we are uh, regenerated, we don't have that option. Okay? The only thing we can do is sin. So that's a biblical definition. Here's a technical definition that's a little, uh, a little harsh, but we have free will if we are ultimately or decisively self-determining and the only preferences and choices that we can be held accountable for are ones that are ultimately or decisively self-determined. That's pretty, pretty strong language, I think. Ultimately and decisively are the, kind of the key terms, I think, in this definition. Um, I'm not sure if we ultimately or decisively have anything in that realm. Because you got to think about when, when we make decisions, we make decisions based on reasons. Every choice that we make, we typically have a reason. And we always choose to our strong, we always choose according to our strongest, strongest inclination at the moment of the decision. Okay? Cheesecake or not, or cheesecake or creme brulee, you know, uh, tough decisions at times, I realize. Um, I don't know, what do you like? What would you go for? Me? Yeah. Creme brulee. Yeah. How about Sean? Coffee. Coffee? Okay. <laughs> Not a dessert guy. Heidi? Same. Same. Coffee? Carissa? Cheesecake. Cheesecake? I'm with you. Cameron? Cheesecake too. Oh, I love cheesecake. And uh, Ellen? I've never had good creme brulee, so. You've never had it? Uh -huh. I have. Yeah. Um, One of the better things in life is creme brulee. Yeah. All right. So. But we always choose according to our strongest inclination at the time. So there's always something influencing us in our decisions. Okay? All right. So let's, let's go to the confessions. Um, Cameron, you can kind of see them listed there. Uh, I'm going to read the first one. We'll, if someone's going to get, Al, would you get... Uh, your Bible up to read James 1, uh, 14. Um, so this is a, a mouthful. God hath endued. I'm not sure who many, who uses the word endued. Um, I don't use that in casual conversation. Endued means endowed, or I guess we're given. The will of, God hath endued the will of man with that natural liberty of power of acting upon choice. So he's, God allows man to make his or her own choices that is neither forced nor by necessity of nature determined to do good or evil. The last part is confusing to me. We're using this book as kind of a textbook, sort of the London Baptist Confession of Faith that's written by a guy named Rob Ventura or edited by a guy named uh, Rob Ventura. And he, I think what he's trying to say there is there's nothing like in our nature, it's not like there's a, a natural law that, t that directs us to think or decide in one particular way. That's my best understanding. Alan, you got James 1, 14? Uh, yes. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Again, a, a, a verse sort of uh, that sort of helps support that concept of Free will. Now, is free will, has anybody ever seen the, the term or the phrase free will in the Bible? Does it exist? I don't think it does. What is, you know, having the uh, benefit of reading about this book, does anybody have this book, by the way? It's probably in your house. If you've read it, it's very interesting. What do you think guys like Luther, Martin Luther, 
and John Calvin think of the phrase free will? Maybe down on it a little bit. Why is that? Um, I guess because they think you're not really, you're, you know, we're not in a place where we can really have free will because we're, you know, before you're a believer, you're, you're, um, you know, under the control of the evil one. Okay. So, all right. There's not really freedom in that sense. Okay. And we're dead. Okay. So, kind of in, again, sort of in this state after the fall, you know, after Adam died and before we're regenerated, before we're under the state of grace, we're in this post fall position where we, the only thing we can really do is sin. Um, have you ever had discussions with people who talk about free will? Yes, we had that. Probably. Okay. There used to be one that believes in free will. Okay. In salvation. Okay. All right. Cameron? What's the question again? Do you have you ever had discussions with anybody about free will? Have you? Yes. Me me too. A lot of people the, the funny thing is about free will, it's almost like it's a virtue that is or a freedom or a right that is automatically given. <clears throat> You know, people are so, so really uh, determined that this is what I have. God has given me this. This is what, it, it's almost above God's sovereignty that it's often sort of described. Um, I have a, a good friend that I met while he was in medical school. He's now in residency. He goes to the Coptic Church just up the road. Uh, it's called St. Marina's. It's one of the I think there's seven or eight Coptic churches in Nashville. This one actually speaks, does the, does the service in English. And we've had sort of heated discussions over this whole concept of free will. The Coptic church, which they believe started, was started by Mark, who wrote the, the uh, Gospel of Mark, and um, the fact that it's had such a long history back to the time of the apostles that their perspective and tra their tradition and their scripture interpretation of scripture is correct. They will believe, they, they think that free will does exist uh, even to the point of salvation where we choose God. I know this is going to be a little controversial. God does not actually choose us. Um, and so it's completely up to man in terms of his salvation. So um, it was, but it's been funny when you, when we, so I've been going to the catechism. My, my friend invited me to their catechism, which is, you know, like nine classes where they learn all about the Coptic church and their beliefs and, and how they, you know, they, they have a lot of interesting things that sort of make sense from a biblical standpoint when I see them using it in that way that I wouldn't have otherwise agreed. So I'm actually glad today's the last catechism I'm going to go to people do this catechism in order to kind of prepare them to become baptized in the Coptic church. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, but it's just, I find it interesting when, when you talk about free will, free will is almost like a holy grail. Of, it's something that is so obvious to man that it, um, that it, um, that it's really just not even a discussable subject. And that gets, there's a problem with that because then people start to become or, or feel that, they think they're a little bit disillusioned in the effects of what sin has done to the fall. What, what has happened to man as a result of sin? So that being said, let's just go to the next number two. I'm just going to read this out loud. And um, Carissa, can you read Genesis 3, 6 uh, when I'm done talking? Um, it says, man in his state of innocency... Okay, we're talking like right here, pre-fall. He's innocent. Okay, innocent had had freedom and power to will and to do which was good and pleasing to God. So he could choose not to sin. At this stage in man in, in man's history, in the pre-fall, he was innocent, hasn't sinned yet, but he did have the ability and did have the ability not to sin. 
But the downside, as we all know, and why we're here today in this church, is because he also had the opportunity or the, the, the ability to sin. And what did he do? Go ahead, Carissa. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So this, of course, is known as the fall. This is when things change tremendously for all of humankind, and actually the earth itself, because now what has resulted is Man is, because of Adam's uh, and Eve's sin, uh, man is at, you know, at odds with God or enmity with God. He's now God's enemy because of that single sin. And this is because of God's holiness that this occurred. So he went, so we're now, that's the pre-fall state. This is what happened. I'll just, finish, I'll just read this again. Number two, it says, Man in a state of an incident had freedom and power to will and do which was good, but did they know, and well-pleasing to God, but yet was unstable. It's kind of an interesting word, unstable. Suggesting that he, I, I'd like to think that, you know, maybe he was mutable. Maybe that was, he's changing. He can change. I, I almost like that word a little bit better, but I'm not going to argue with these guys who came up with this all these years ago. But yet was unstable that he might fall from it. So he had the ability to sin. That's all we're, we're kind of saying there. Make sense so far? So we, you know, we, at the time of creation, had the ability not to sin, but, and the ability to sin. And as, fortunately, so the consequences now, I'm talking about the post-fall. That's the next step. Um, I'll read this. And Buns, would you read uh, Ephesians 2.1? And Sean, um, could you read... Uh, John 6.44. So man, by his fall into a state of sin, hath wholly lost all ability uh, of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So as a natural man, it's kind of restating what natural man is now, being altogether adverse from that good and dead in sin, is not able by his own strength to convert himself nor to prepare himself thereunto. So, um, Buns, you want to read Ephesians 2? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Okay, does anybody have any issue with the idea of dead? Chrissy, you're a nurse. You know what dead looks like? Yeah. You know what dead looks like? Okay. Roadkill? There's some roadkill on the road. And if you came up Church Street, I think there's a dead otter on the road. He can't do much to, to himself. Um, so dead things are able to do what? They're able to do nothing, okay? And this, again, is reference to our spiritual selves. We, have no, we, we lack the ability to choose anything but evil, okay? We lack the ability to choose anything but evil. We were, we were talking the other day about um, we have a resident Bible study with the residents up at Vanderbilt. We're at our house, and we're actually going through Jonah. We actually started Jonah 1. I don't know if you guys know the story of Jonah. You know Jonah, Cameron? Sure. So what did Jonah do? Did he sin? In chapter 1, what did he do? Sorry, not a quiz. Or he did follow what, he, what God told him to do. Did he follow what God called him to do in chapter 1? He did. He did. What did he do? I think he went the other way. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. He headed the other direction. Tarshish is like, like, like southern Spain, I think. At least it was on. And you know, and um, uh, Nineveh is like northern Iraq. And so he went completely the opposite direction. So did he sin against God at that time? I would say so. So what did he? What did that sin do? Got him swallowed. Yeah, got him swallowed. But what did? What, what was the effect of that sin? Did it affect just Jonah alone? Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to make this a quiz. People who were supposed to preach them? Well, he was supposed to preach to those. But what happened to the people? He got on a boat, right? What happened to the boat? Put them all at peril. Big storm. Put them all at peril. Big storm. Okay? So 
what, what the, the point I'm trying to get is, is that a single <clears throat> sin, sin is so devastating. Even just a single sin. You look at the single sin of, of and it's, I, you could get technical and say it's more than just a single sin that occurred in the garden at the time of the fall. There was pride that actually came in first, wanting to be like God in the actual bite of it. You could, you could talk about that. But what just that single sin, I mean, it condemned one sin. Let's just say it's one, okay? That one sin condemned the entire human race. All the billions of people so far are, are affected by that. And it made me, when I was thinking about this, it made me sort of to think about this single sin that Jonah committed about running affected just the people of the boat. And I started thinking, my goodness, the one sin of Adam, you know, pretty much corrupted the entire earth as well as the entire human race. So just to think about what a single sin can do. And, and one, of the, one of the difficulties of the idea of the concept of introducing free will really helps us minimize that sin. Makes us think that, oh, it's just a little sin. But it actually affects, it, it has such a profound effect on us that it makes us not able to, not able to do any good at all. So what, what it's saying in Article 3 of this chapter is that we cannot do anything but sin. We cannot choose him. Let's see. Uh, Sean, you had uh, John 6.44? No one, sorry. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, again, what he's saying is, is, is God has to draw us to him in order, um, in, in our state of the fall, God has to draw us to him in order to do that. How does he do that? It's kind of a mystery. We're going to read a little bit more in the next step of, you know, when we're in this, when, for those that are in the state of grace, he's going to use the Holy Spirit to give us that desire. Let's go ahead and read that. Um, I'm going to read that. Um, it's number four. Let's see. Heidi, would you read Colossians 1 to 1, thir- uh, Colossians 1, verse 13, and just as soon as I finish this, and Alan, back to you, let's go to uh, Philippians 2.13, okay, Heidi, Colossians 1.13, and Alan, uh, Philippians 2.13, so I'm going to read this, when God converts a sinner, okay, and translates him into the state of grace, He freeth him from his natural bondage under sin and by grace alone enables him to freely, him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. Yet, as, uh, so yet, so as that by reason of his remaining corruptions, he doth not perfectly nor only uh, will that which is good, but doth will uh, that which is evil. So it, when we're in this state, what I would say, it's a lot of thousand, you know, formal English. In the state of grace, we now have the ability to not sin. Now I kind of put, notice here I put not sin or sin. And then here I put sin or not sin. Kind of our tendency is still to sin and still do evil. So that's kind of weird also. We have both of these capabilities. But now because of what Christ has done in us, we have the ability not to sin. Um, Heidi, do you want to read Colossians 1.13? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. <laughs> so for those that he has created the desire in to follow him and trust him and have faith in him, and have ultimately accepted uh, him uh, and the work that he did to save us, he gives us this um, gives us this ability, okay? And as Heidi had read, he delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So again, it's God's work only that this can be done. Alan, you're going to read a verse for us too? Philippians 2.13. <clears throat> 
For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So again, it is God working in us to choose to choose him. Now you might argue, is that so does that just does that just give us the option? Okay. Do we have the option now? Since he works in our heart, does we do we have the option to choose him? Does that mean we also have to deny the, the option to deny him? There's a whole discussion, right? And guess what? I'm not going to talk about it today because why? It's going to be next week. Next week's discussion, Cameron is going to be on the next article called Effectual Calling. In other words, when, he, when God calls us, you know, is it who, who, is, who is going to respond? And how does that happen? So there's, you know, I wouldn't say we're, I would say our church is sort of, again, in the reform category. I'm not sure if I would go as far as to say Calvinistic, probably, since they often go closely together. But I don't want to. I don't want to define us by those terms. I don't. I don't think that's a good idea necessarily. I think even though we are, I don't know if that's a good way to define us. But okay. So does that make sense so far? Different states allow us give different abilities, right? And it's really it's it's a moral ability, you know. Um, we do not have the ability, again, in, in the fall, no ability to do anything. We're just dead, okay? As far as we know, dead is just dead. And we have nothing within us that can choose God. State of grace, now he gives us, he gives us the option. If we're the option to be able to uh, sin or not sin. He wants us not to sin. We also want, uh, not want to sin. I'm going to read Romans 7, 15. For I do not understand my own actions. This is Paul talking. For what I do not, uh, for I do not do what I want, but I do uh, everything I hate. So what he's talking about is just this option to sin or not sin. He still does it. He doesn't want to do it. He knows that it's it's wrong, but still chooses to do it otherwise. And we're all, you know, I think anybody who's realistic with themselves finds himself in this daily um, Romans seven eighteen, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh for I have the desire to do what is right but not really the ability to carry it out so he kind of recognizes he kind of recognizes his position he knows that he has the ability because of what God has done but he cannot do it in and of his own effort. He requires the Holy Spirit working in him to follow him and to do what is right. Romans 7, 21. So I find it, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. So again, it's this constant, while we're alive, it's this constant battle between good and evil that resides within us. The, the desire to sin versus the desire to good to do good, um, and it's almost as though, you know, when that struggle is over, it's going to be a relief. That's why when we, you know, people talk about death, it's almost like a welcome thing because now they, this struggle is gone, which kind of gets me to to point number five. I'll go ahead and read this. And Buns, would you read Ephesians four thirteen? This will of man is made perfectly and immutably unchangeable now, as opposed to when here where it was mutable or they said unstable. This will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to do good alone in the state of glory only. So after we're dead, okay, we're going to be in a great spot because that desire, that conflict in us to, to do evil versus good will be gone. And that's going to be a joyous moment. So, Buns, you want to read Ephesians 4.13? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So mature manhood, meaning when we're dead. And then, only then, we'll be able to um, not sin. We won't even be, we won't, we won't even be able to sin. We, the only thing we can do is not sin. So that's kind of a, a summary of the different kind of positions that we are, who we are, what we desire, who, again, the positions that we are, 
in reference to the fall, to the pre, uh, to Adam, to the pre-fall, after the fall, our position in a state of grace, and then in glory. And that's kind of the summary summary of this whole concept of free will. Um, does that make sense? Hey, like it makes sense. Never thought of it like that. Yeah, I didn't either. Actually, this this chapter helped me a bunch to kind of think through this. I, I hadn't thought of all these things, but that actually makes sense. Um, I hope it does. The, the, the table doesn't exist. That, that's what I kind of came up with. But actually, I kind of like it to summarize that. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. You guys good? I shall be good. All right. Any questions? We have so much time. <laughs> Alan? It's a good table. You like the table? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You can't even really see the table. I think it's also a, I don't say, like a great picture of thinking of like what heaven will be for us. Yeah. And like continuing to foster that desire and longing because I think sometimes we don't think about like what heaven will be like and what um, we get. So, yeah, just thinking like, oh yeah, that constant struggle we have, flesh versus spirit, will be there. Yeah, I don't know if you have days where you just struggle with sin, and you kind of long for those days to go away. That's that's you're absolutely right. Uh, Heaven will be like that when we don't have that struggle, and it's just going to (laughs) be. I can say it's just going to be easy. I mean, it it just is. It's just going to be just quite a blessing to be able to not have to sin anymore and 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 fight that constant battle within. Looking, looking forward, you know, for that day. I guess we still got stuff to do since we're still here, right? So we got work to do, but um, we're still going to have to fight that and struggle with that. Mm-hmm. All right, I had some questions here. I think I actually answered most of them. What is the definition of free will? I kind of threw out some. Any questions on that? On the definitions. It has to do with our preferences and our choices and then our responsibility for those. Is the phrase free will on the Bible? Doesn't doesn't seem to be, no. I, I never I you know Google it, found it's really not in the Bible. It's something that I think man has come up with. But you did did we explain kind of like you know Luther, Martin Luther, and John Calvin, two of the reformers. You know, we talked about reformed theology camera. I don't want to throw these guys out. Do you, are you familiar with Martin Luther? Who he is? He, he's a, he was a monk in the Catholic Church, I think around middle 1500s. Does that sound right? I don't know the exact time. They recently said, I think 15, uh, we recently had the 500th anniversary of the, of the Reformation. But the Reformation kind of occurred at the time of John Calvin kind of initiated that, where he struggled with you know, the Catholic Church, which is, he was, at a, he was a monk in the Catholic Church at the time, and he struggled with some of the things that were going on within the church, like paying indulgences, um, uh, the fact that it was God and man participating in salvation. He ultimately, you know, felt, you know, through his conscience that it was just and made arguments that it is Christ alone, is, you know, his faith alone in Christ alone is the source of our salvation, not anything that man does. And so that's kind of the the big sort of split, like, you know, between, that occurred as a result of the Reformation. Um, Could, okay, we answered those, we answered those. Answer that one. I want to go back to something that you were saying just a second ago. Please. As far as, like, free will is not explicitly written in the Bible and in those words, but at the same time, it's apparent in the first I don't remember the first chapter or two because God says don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. It's implied that they have a choice right. to do that. Yeah. It's because he wouldn't, if they didn't have the choice, he wouldn't tell them not to do it. Right. That's would, a good point. Like they either could and therefore they have a choice or yeah. they don't have the ability to make the choice and they recognize it as. Not pleasing to the eye, not 
bearing good fruit, not, you know, all the opposites yeah. that draws in. Um, so it's, it's not explicitly stated, but it is <laughs> implied from the very beginning. Right. I agree, I agree with that. You know, I agree with that 100%. The term is not used. I think it's the only, I think it's the only time because of all the other things that God instructs Adam to do. I mean, they're neither here nor there, but it's like, name all the animals. Right. Okay. Yeah. And he gives them the ability to name them whatever he wants and yeah. all the trees and the plants and the whatever and all of that stuff. But then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's almost like you've got this billboard sign overhead saying choice to be made here, you know, free will happens here. Yeah. Don't eat. Yeah. I, I guess you're right. You know, I guess to a certain degree you could argue, well, he, he was told to name all the birds and subdue the earth. I guess he, could have, have said no. could have done you know through omission here is he committed to committed an actual he did have an option yeah and there was a there, there was a clear choice that's where free will gets got us into trouble with where we're at today with the fall so yeah there's you know you're right though it doesn't mention it but it certainly implies it and i, I don't think they're i don't think as they wrote this that they were trying to say just that that was just my mm -hmm. thing you know, try to find those words. I, as we've gone through this class and as I've listened to the discussion and, and read those, I, and I probably had this thought, but not to this extent, I, I struggle with the, I struggle with the area of free will in our relationship with Christ coming from the perspective of, and I'm, it, I'm even going to imply this in what I'm about to say, but like, I came to Christ late in my adult, early in my adult life, late in my my current stage of life, you know, my mid twenties. And it was at the time with the people that I was surrounded by, it was your decision to Christ or for Christ, your decision to come to Christ. And it's, you know, I, I feel like maybe we're doing a disservice when we state it that way. And maybe it's not around here. I just where I was before. That's the way it was stated, and it it makes it then confusing as you walk. Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, this is the decision that you made. <clears throat> yeah, and then it it, it's hard to get out of that mindset. You to keep yourself. Yeah, safe. very much so. Yeah. Very much so. I think I I kind of believe that everybody when they first become a believer thinks that way. I thought that way for a long, long time. It's hard to get out of that mindset when it's kind of a rewarded statement. Correct. And then there's a little bit of a danger. You can kind of see the danger in that. Not pursuing truth and understanding that decision a little bit better. Uh, or not taking you to the next, I shouldn't say next step, next level. I hate those terms. But, you know, to, to pursue the understanding of that decision. Right. You know, and uh, uh, my wife and I would, would agree that we... You know, those are decisions that we made, but we kind of, kind of really didn't think about it much for a long, long time. That's at least for me, until we start kind of, you know, start attending church here, and then kind of, kind of seeing where that kind of went to. And so we kind of in in that mode of thinking when we first become believers, because that's as you said, people surround us kind of make that. But I, you know, in retrospect, I look at I became a believer like maybe early 20s, you know, kind of in college. But I could I could kind of see God pulling me, you know, affecting my decision earlier than that, like maybe in my late teens, because I had questions that didn't make sense. I, there was some some desire in me that kind of went, and I didn't, I don't know where that came from. It wasn't, it wasn't me seeking good, because I really, if you know me, you don't know me all that well, but, um, you know, I'm an evil man. Um, you know me still a little bit that but um yeah I, I think we i think we tend to think that way at least initially but as we pursue the the I, as we pursue our our thinking i think and try to pursue truth i think this gets revealed to us there's a danger there's a danger when you you know like what do i do with my friend who you know i kind of pose this as a question or i say you go back to the people that taught you that what do you you know what do you say to that or what do you you know how do you discuss this there, there's kind of a danger in that because uh 
I, you know, like there's a tendency to want to be right and say, oh, this is, this is the way it is versus, you know, kind of letting it just slip and go by. I, I did the catechism so I could understand my friend's thinking a little bit better. And it, it's funny, you know, when I go through the catechism, it was being taught by the priest that was there. He was talking all about the loss of, as he was getting up to the point of how sinful man is, I wrote down all the arguments that he made that were, were right here. But yet, still at the end, he kind of came to, we, make our, we have free will to decide in our fallen state. We have the ability to decide, you know, that, to, to follow Christ. And then, to me, that, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. And I, I, the hard part is I'm not going to argue with my friend about it. The church, the church, the whole Coptic church believes this, and he's going to always go back to the church teaches this. And I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to make any effort to try to make him believe otherwise than what his church does. I think, unless he really wants to pursue truth, but he's always going to go back to the default of what his church believes. So it's an awkward position. You know, and if we talk about it and he really wants to know what I think, this is what I'll say. But if he, but if it gets to be, well, the church says this, I go, okay. Yeah. Is that, that's how I'm going to approach it. I don't know. It, it makes me think back to, again, when I made my decision, it was, you know, you say, you know, for years you had questions. And to me, when I got to that place, it was I could look backwards and see the way God orchestrated my locations and positions and the outcomes of actions and, and things like that. And I guess in what you're saying about this friend of yours in the Catholic Church, I was in the Catholic Church at the time. And I actually went and sat down with a priest, and I had a, a legal pad of three pages of questions. I didn't even get through the half, the first half of the first page when I started to recognize that he kept talking about the, the Catholic Catechism, and I was looking for you to reference the Bible, and there was something, there was God in me dividing those two and pointing out to me, I see that you're referencing a mandate booklet and not referencing the God-inspired booklet, and why are you not referencing the God-inspired booklet? And I just got up and I simplified the conversation. It was a lot more emotionally complicated at the time. <laughs> um, I didn't say anything that I regret. I just, I walked out sobbing that, like, this thing that I knew for 24 years was kind of crumbling underneath of me and I didn't know what to do. But I say all that to say at some point, if God chooses your friend will, try to find answers from a Bible instead of from an organization. I don't know. So, yeah. In the meantime, I'm just going to, he's, he's a good guy, he's a good friend. Uh, just maintain that friendship. We just got it all figured out. Good. Yeah, we're done, actually. All right, cool. Yeah. I mean, the, the heavens are going to open up any second. <laughs> I, dude, let's, I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> I am so ready, you have no idea. <laughs> Damien, this is Cameron. Hey, Cameron. How are you? Pretty good. Cameron, good. Cameron good to meet you. Lives in South Nashville. Okay. He's going to PDF, professional driver. CDLs. Oh, yeah. Cool. You want to drive cross country or just local? Uh, or for now, I have to drive local because I'm not 21 yet. But oh, okay. Play at home, driving cross country. All right. I grew up in the Catholic Church also. You know, my, I kind of, when I was, when I was in college, I kind of, I, I, I don't know if I had a similar episode, a little bit different, but I, I wanted to be sort of a good Catholic for the benefit of my parents. You know, I wanted, so I really tried hard to, to search through, to get answers through the Catholic Church. At the same time, I wanted to, to join ROTC. So there was an argument between, they had a panel discussion of the, of, between the priests of the Catholic campus parish where I was at, and then some ROTC people talking about, you know, um, this idea, you know, of going to war, um, what that means, how does that look, and 
I don't remember the exact conversations, but I always remember I was very sort of dissatisfied with the, the Catholic, the priest's response to those. And I just kind of said, well, it's time. Like you, had other circumstances where God was organizing things. Roommates that I had that were believers met who was involved in Bible studies, who put me in touch with these other people, and something, you know, things just kept rolling in that in that direction. God orchestrated things again. Similar. All right. Um, how much time do we got? Any other other questions? What are we talking about? <laughs> oh, okay. Free will. Free will. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Why did you decide to come in late? Um, I had a, another pressing matter that had to be attended to. Okay. Uh, and I just... made the choice. <laughs> and he has free will. Yeah. Uh, he he caught your question. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing him, Cameron. I, I'm not trying to put him on the spot. That much. Just, just that much. Yeah. That much. There's a little bit, you know, with every good tease, there's a little bit of truth, right? So we're just talking about the way the way the organization of the anybody want to try to try to teach this to, to our elder here? We did I like the way the, the confession divided it up into mm-hmm. into pre-fall, post-fall, state of grace, state of glory. Mm-hmm. And and our options, what abilities that we have to sin or not sin. This, it really divided up nicely. So this table is not included in it, but it should be. It should be. Yeah, yeah okay. it, it makes lines sense. up. Yep. Makes sense to me. I put I put not sin here in the fall. Not sin first because that's his, his, his position. And I put sin first in the state of grace because that's our tendency, right? Mm-hmm. Versus not sin. And then there's no way we can sin in glory. And we'll all just hoping that will happen soon so that we can get rid of this struggle. But we look forward to it. Yep. I shouldn't say it. We hope it happens soon. We look forward to the day. Um, I'm kind of hoping it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's rolling this, his eyes. I was going to say, is this a sinful position to have? Yeah. He's, he's, he's rolling his eyes at me. <laughs> so it's always yeah. good to learn from the crowd, ready. right? We're all ready for Bob and Park. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. And then we, we talked a little bit about um, the words free will in the Bible mm-hmm. don't exist. But you know, Sean was bringing out, it's pretty pretty implicit, not explicit, but implicit that there's, God gave Adam and Eve a decision, mm-hmm. even though it's not mentioned free will as the decision. So, and, and I don't think that's ever the point, and I just kind of just said those things. But anyway, this is kind of where we ended up landing. And then the consequences, and we talked about Martin Luther and and uh, John Calvin, they mm-hmm. don't—they didn't like those words. They, mm-hmm. they just felt it was a slippery slope to go down, which I think it is. To now that today, you mentioned the words free will, and people almost feel like that's an inalienable <laughs> right to have free will. And that's dangerous. Yeah. You remember a conversation we had recently, Christmas time? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts, or Cameron? Thanks for coming today. We, we uh, normally take a little bit longer during class, but since it was all figured out uh, for us ahead of time, this is where it's at. That it, and again, I'm not saying this is really c- completely clean. There's a little bit, there's always a little bit of mystery in there. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what about, why did, like, let's, let's talk in the negative. What about Pharaoh? I'm not trying to, what, you know, God hardened his heart. Is it explicitly, explicitly said God hardened his heart? What about that in terms of free will? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it also said that heart, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Yeah. I mean, what is... Which what, happened what, first. What is Pharaoh's, what is Pharaoh's like, disposition? Where, where, where is Pharaoh at? He's right here, right? Yeah. He and has he, no he, choice but to sin. Yeah. And so did God just, in his, in the statement, did God harden his heart? Did he just... Kind of direct that sin a little bit, maybe. I, I'm I'm asking these questions. I don't know the answers to. According to uh, what we're learning in Romans, <laughs> so the hardening of of the heart isn't um, like God made Pharaoh sin. God didn't make him do anything. It was 
it was kind of like his restraining grace. He just kind of lifted and allowed Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's evil to mm-hmm. manifest. Yeah. I, I don't know the right yeah. word there. That's good. I, I like the way that's put because we're we're all capable of what Pharaoh did, right? And because mm-hmm. of God's grace, and, and that extends to non-believers too. You know, non-believers are much more capable of a lot of evil, um, and yet God somehow allow restrains them from doing more so that we can just live on this earth, right? Otherwise, can you imagine if um, Hitler? was as bad as he could have been. Yeah. Um, even Hitler was restrained by God's grace. And he says this thing that he's better than Hitler. I, he, I do not. Yeah, I just thought, <laughs> I thought I'd just bring that up. Yeah. Just, again, I'm setting him up. I'm sorry, yeah. camera. I just do this because it's okay. the class is small and we got the opportunity to mm. dig a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, it's... it's um, yeah. yeah, it's incredible uh, the, what what where how evil we are able to do. All right, well I will pray. It is a little bit after ten. I'll pray. We'll close down. Heavenly Father, we are again grateful to you, Lord, for the ability to pray for you because of what your Son has done for us. I thank you that you have given us the people who have uh, put together this confession, all the work that they had done to meet and and come up with this, that we could use it uh, so many years later. Um, Again, we ask that, uh, thank you for uh, making these things uh, clear to us and and also reveal that it's not always as clean as we might think. Uh, We thank you for, as we we consider to ponder these uh, truths about your scripture more, um, I pray that you would just kind of work in our hearts, may your spirit dwell in us to to better understand these. Thank you that Cameron is here and can join us today. I pray that uh, you would uh, feel welcome and at home and uh, just ask you again to, I'm not sure who's preaching this morning, who's preaching this morning, do you know? I think it's Ryan. Pray for Ryan as he preaches to us this morning that you prepare the words for him, that you prepare our hearts uh, to worship you and honor you. Uh, Pray this in your name, amen. Amen. Amen.